using disconcerting signals. Disconcerting. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast with Dave, Honky, Boomer, and Redcast Rob. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. To my fellow C-Towners, Dave and Boomer, our alma maters uh, from the City of Power and Progress are currently a combined 13-1. and SCOTUS is uh, undefeated at 7-0, and and Columbus High is on a six-game win streak at 6-1. and Heck, even Lakeview is 5-2, and so there must be something in the Platte County water right now. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Boomer. Well, I'm just glad to hear uh, Redcast Honky joining us again this week. Uh, it's uh, another joint possession, if you will, a Redcast Betcast special <laughs> here. So knocking it all off on once for a Monday. That's right. This might be the first time we've had Honky uh, after a loss. I can't remember. It's all blurred at this point. Uh, also with Redcast Rob. Well, after one of the most horrible sports weekends that I've experienced myself, I'm, I'm starting to feel like the uh, Stephen Bartman of the Redcast here, and um, I would have to say that it's quite disconcerting. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good, Rob. Did you write that up all by yourself, or did your wife help you out? My wife helps me with everything, Dave. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's great. Well, guys, uh, a very entertaining football game there on Saturday night in Lincoln, another uh, packed house Memorial Stadium. Had a uh, another exciting football game to watch. Uh, Nebraska losing thirty-two to twenty-nine to the University of Michigan. Wolverines uh, take down the Huskers in a game with a lot of back and forth. Some slow starts uh, on the offensive side for both teams. Honky, but um, as the game wore on, um, there's uh, quite a bit of scoring in that second half, especially for the Nebraska with twenty-two, I believe, in the third quarter. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's, it's not enough. How does this keep happening? I don't know how it keeps happening, but one thing that maybe is new is that we had a big-time primetime game, national TV, and we showed up ready to play. It was a fun environment. It was a great scene on TV, and I think anything from recruits to just fans in general that watch that, uh, they come away with a very favorable impression of Nebraska Memorial Stadium, of Lincoln, and everything that this program uh, stands for. The game itself is one of the most bizarre officiating ones for both sides. We're not, I'm not at least going to play the card of we got screwed because we did, but then Michigan can just turn around and say we did too. And and they did overall, it's just a really poorly officiated game. And it took away from what was a really good game on the field. It became so hard to watch it unbearable at times because we were in a constant state of flags or review, but uh, you take away from all that. The environment, I thought, Dave, was so good, and I was so wanting the win for a number of reasons, but one of them was you've always talked about the fan base needing these big collective moments together where sure. you know we experienced something, and really I was hoping that we would see the fans storm the field like you saw in Iowa and, and A&M, and uh, you know, Harbaugh, love him or hate him, he said we were determined not to let that happen, not to let those fans get on the field, and they did it. Yeah, no, that's a really good point, Hockey. I mean, after the, the game, I, I turned it over – to watch the Alabama Texas A&M game and you see that storming of the field and, and that hit me right there I'm like yeah that that should have been us um it mm-hmm. could have been us um it's one of those things where we're just been waiting for that moment um for the entire um frost tenure really at, the, at this point uh boomer uh hockey mentioned uh the unusual calls you alluded to it in your opening hot take I mean disconcerting signals, uh, joint possession, things that just, I mean, we have not 
heard in our football lives practically. What do you think about those? To me, it was like the refereeing crew had forgotten to study and they just quick glanced at a few things at the book before they showed up <laughs> yeah. and just to try Ooh, to this is interesting. Yeah, they'll, we'll, you know, looked at some we'll footnotes and we'll go with those. Yeah. I mean, the calls are there. If you pour through the rule books, those are terms they use, but you never, I've never heard them called that. I mean, you'll hear things like simultaneous possession or things like that. I never heard, you know, joint possession and disconcerting signals is a term (laughs) they use in there or or to that effect. But I've honestly never heard it called that. And like hockey said, it was just such a terribly refed game, especially in that second quarter. It was just, you couldn't get any flow going in the game. Everything was either a bad penalty or had to be reviewed and it stretched on and on and on and they'd have a play then have to review it again it was hard to watch as a fan it had to be hard for the the teams playing just try to get anything going and then he had no idea if if that refing crew could count to five or not with all the the times (laughs) they might call you know somebody in the backfield the knots and just a mess so or how to mark the ball in yeah, the I mean, right location. Again, I, I realize the Big Ten has no money to spare, you know, anywhere. It's, just it's tight these, pennies days, these days. Yeah, I mean, money's tight in, in this conference, but find some professionals to do this stuff, guys. Jeez. I mean, yeah, just, I it's just you. not a good look. You. Yeah, not a good I look for a major conference. I got a shout out to uh, Iowa Sean, my neighbor, who's been roughing games here at the high school level of Colorado, moving up the ranks quite quickly. So I'm hoping in a couple of years, Iowa shot maybe a, a Big Ten ref and can fix this because uh, Rob, I mean the, the second quarter in particular was just a an absolute uh, mess uh, with the odd calls and um, at the end of the day, you know Nebraska looks like they're going to get off the field with uh, a 6-0 deficit, but you know because of uh, maybe some poor clock management by our offensive staff, uh, the defense has to make one more stand. And sure enough, uh, they finally break and, and give Michigan a, their first touchdown. How big was that, you feel, like the end of the second quarter, ultimately leading to, to a defeat? I mean, three straight passes with hardly any time on the clock, not running the clock out at the end of a half where your offense hasn't really been able to get any type of rhythm or any type of uh you know, offense going. Really. Yeah. And after the first, you know, drive. all they got to do is get out of there. Even if they maybe get enough yardage to kick a field goal or at least attempt a field goal at the end of the half, run that clock all the way down. There's absolutely no reason to give anybody two minutes on the clock or just under two minutes on the clock to, to go and drive down the field. I don't want to use the word inexcusable, but it almost feels that way when you are down by six going into the half and getting the ball back to start the second half. There's no reason that you shouldn't be running the ball or at least trying to do some short passes or something, not throw the ball downfield. Yeah. Um, those were point. aggressive passes that really didn't have a lot of a, of a shot. Um, honky. I mean, you had a great thread um, morning after I'm um, talking about points in possessions and um, this was kind of a case in point, right? Yeah. I mean, the term you just use aggressive, you know, that's what a lot of people say. Hey, we'd like the aggressive play on a fourth down instead of kicking the field goal, or we wanted to be aggressive and score at the end of the first half. And I'm, I'm all about aggressive. I love option football. There's nothing more aggressive than running option. I, in fact, I didn't get to see enough aggression in that first half and to, you know, for my liking. My thing is you get aggressive on first and second and third downs, and if those don't work, then on fourth downs, that's when you take that field goal. And I know that's been much debated, but to me, there's really no debate. We play a lot of close games. A lot of games end up one score or less, and you don't go into the red zone and leave empty-handed. And so that would have been a chance to to get ahead early in the game, the first deficit of the season for Michigan. But on top of that, it just starts to make them to have to play from behind. And let's just say that, you know, the the game continues on like it did. And it was six to three because we kicked the field goal and we get the ball with three minutes left 
at that point, the mindset has to shift to, we need three and a half yards of play. What does three and a half yards of play get you? It gets you a first down. If you get a first down, you can start to get more aggressive and start to try to push the ball down the field more. But every time you throw in completions and stop the clock, and now you're getting the ball back to the team. You're giving them another possession. And what happens at the end of the game? Michigan has 80 plays to our 60. We start to wear down. All those extra possessions matter. And Dave, you said it after the Oklahoma game, we held them to nine possessions. That was a big deal. That was right. something that kept Oklahoma to 21 points. They had 16 possessions against Texas, and they scored 55. Limiting possessions is a good thing. And those extra possessions, they wear us down. It gives them an extra chance to score. And all of a sudden, a game that could have been 6-3 at half with us getting the ball first by not kicking a field goal and by giving that extra possession, it's 13 nothing. We are 13 points. We've heard this enough. 13 points away from beating three top 10 teams. And really, if we can make an extra point at Oklahoma, we're 10 points. We're really 10 points away from three teams. The good news is, and I mean this sincerely, the good news is we play two more top 10 teams. Yeah. Learn from these mistakes. You're gonna, those are going to be close games. They're going to be close games because we have a defense that's going to keep us in it, and we're going to have an offense that's going to put up enough big plays and score some points. It's these moments when you get opportunities for the points and when you have opportunities to keep them off the field from those possessions. That's the thing that's going to get us over the hump. We can beat these teams, but you've got to do those little things right. Yeah. Um, Boomer, turning our attention to the third quarter, you know, if we want to look at some of the positives, um, and hockey, maybe we'll break down the X's and O's, but I mean, there was some, some pretty creative plays, uh, designed by Frost and company. And, uh, even though it wasn't a illegal formation, the Austin Allen touchdown is one of those where he breaks wide open, maybe in part because of how much we did try to run the ball with Romeo Johnson up the middle in the first first half but you gotta like those type of plays going forward right yeah i did like you know that and they were fun plays to watch you, you know people all over the place certainly had michigan very discombobulated especially coming off of you know a pretty pedestrian offensive performance in that first half and i, I guess i could see you know we're trying to set that up the entire half i'm just glad we didn't fall too far behind in that first half i mean michigan had chances to go up you know i could have been 21 to nothing you know thank god the defense sure. kept that closer sure. so you know sure. i don't want to try to do this every week where we play possum for a half and then try to try to sneak up on the second, but no, the play calling is great. And if the refs are going to let you line five people up in the backfield, why the heck not, you know, go for it. But again, can't count <laughs> on that every week, but uh, no, yeah. I thought they responded really nicely. It was like you said, when you're down 13 to nothing and a half and you get that ball first, finally, and you go out and score right away. And that totally changed the tenure of the game. Yeah, it, it, it did. Yeah. Cause if you, if you'd come out and had a three and out that first possession in the second half, then who knows where the game goes, but no, that, yeah. that was huge. You know, I mean, the play calling honky is interesting from a game management, like a script type thing of like, Oh, this is how I want the game to go. It seemed like they did have a couple of aggressive play calls in that first drive in the first half uh, with Ramir Johnson screen pass. And then Omar Manning on a fourth and six, I think, but then it got, more conservative in that second quarter, but then he opened up the playbook in the third quarter and there's a lot of fun play calls, right? Yeah. They, I think in that first drive, especially that screen to Ramir, you're trying to use some of the aggression and speed of Michigan's defense against them. And it worked really well. I, a week ago, I, I talked about how Yant surprised me in the sense that I've always thought of him as he was going to be a situational back this year. And then he actually, proved me a little bit wrong against Northwestern. He was kind of an every down back and, you know, he could play an entire series, but I will at least say in this case here, I still want that situational piece with him. When you're down at the goal line and you need two or three yards, it's nice to have a 230 pound back out there. And we never 
put him in there on first or second or third down. That's the the point about trying to be aggressive at that point. I would like to have seen that. But, you know, in the second quarter, there's a lot of handoffs up the middle to Ramirez. And I I was not happy during the game. I was like, run option, get outside. Well, I rewatched that second quarter. And Michigan did a really good job fanning their defense out. It was hard to run horizontally on them. Really hard. But this is something we talked about last week, that this offense, we showed a lot against Northwestern where you're going to have to cover a sideline to sideline, but we also can go deep. We can go vertical, right? And that whole second quarter, it felt like they were spanning out and then we'd hand it off up the middle and to their credit too. I mean, they were able to stuff that, but it was opening up what we saw right away in the third quarter with the Austin Allen thing. We were able to get vertical on them behind them. When this works well, we are making teams have to cover a lot of the field. We got to be able to get the scores in when we're into those red zones. We've got to get points at those times. I mean, it's as crucial as that. We put up a ton of yards again on this team, 400 plus yards on a really good Michigan defense. We left some points out there. At the end of the day, that's the difference. Yeah, let's think that through possession by possession a little bit in the sense that we failed, obviously, on one red zone position possession in the first half, but then we scored four touchdowns. At least one of those was a, a big player, right? The Austin Allen was 46. Ramirez was uh, a relatively mm-hmm. long play. We can get to that play here in just a second. Then the Levi Falk play, which is a, a beautiful little play that everybody had going in the wrong direction. Uh, and, and then... Uh, Adrian ran one in. So we did finish off those four mm-hmm. drives really well. We didn't actually get in the red zone after that, really, uh, or besides that, I should say. So, I mean, it, it, yeah, I, I get what you're saying there. But, I mean, if you would have told me that we were going to score 29 points, um, I would have said we had a pretty good shot of winning because I didn't think that defense would give up 30. That's for certain. And I think it comes back to your point to possession thing. The defense gets tired and gave up um, some critical long third downs, ultimately uh, conversions by Michigan in the second half, which mm-hmm. I mean really came back to, to bite us. So, I mean, I, it's, I see a little bit of that. The Ramir Johnson, uh, another great play call, that Ramir Johnson touchdown, where he slips through and, and it's a great throw by Adrian. He's getting kind of lit up at that same time, puts it right out there. Um, the Michigan defensive backs were, were all over the place. I think there's a linebacker maybe on him. I don't know. He looked not fleet of foot compared to Ramir. I mean, it was just a, a great design play, you know? Mm-hmm. One other thing, I always talk about run pass ratio, so I might as well bring it up here in this game. A week ago, we had 73 plays and 52 rush, 21 pass. This week, we have less plays, 60, but I mean, it's 32 rush, 28 pass. It's about 50-50. That's not the ratio that we want to be at. You know, we want to be a 66-33% kind of one, 65-35, whatever. But with that said, there was a narrative for quite a while about Frost for a number of years about halftime adjustments, lack thereof, coming out in third quarters and being real sloppy and not playing well in third quarters. That kind of came into this year with the Illinois game even. But throw that game aside since then, I mean, against Michigan State and in this game here, the 22 points, you know, we've shown that coming out of the half, you know, now they've made some good adjustments. We've also started getting the ball first more in the second half. That seems to be a a conscious uh, decision by the coaching staff to whenever possible do what we have to do to get the ball for a second half. Some people say Frost is real bullhead and just wants to be overly aggressive. But I mean, that's an example there where he is trying to adapt and this is the smart thing to do. Let's get the ball first, second half. If we had just kept one or two of their possessions off the field for Michigan in this one, I think that could have been as much the difference as anything. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, we can look at the offensive play calling there at the end of the, the first half and say there is one that we could have gotten back. And um, 
whether the defense was you know tired or, or not, they they could have stopped one of the earlier third down conversions sure. that they gave up, which resulted in a field goal. Um, and and they may have not had to face a, a third down conversion later in the fourth quarter, because I mean, reality is is that I mean, there's been a lot of talk about about Adrian Martinez and you know his performance in the clutch and this whole offense in the clutch in late fourth quarter situations and. Rob, you, you, how, what's the record that Nebraska has under Frost in one possession games? How many losses? I was looking at a graphic earlier. Um, since 2018, the Huskers have been down one score with two minutes left with possession 17 times, and they've won one of those games and only scored on two of those possessions. Right. So that's a it's an extraordinary stat. It's just really uncanny, just not normal. Um, for a, a team, let alone a coaching staff and one quarterback to have that many opportunities um, where it's like, here we go again. There's two minutes to go, and it is a one-possession game where you have the ball with a chance to tie or take the lead, and that quarterback has had 17 opportunities, apparently. I know a few of those might might have been other quarterbacks. A lot of them are Adrian's. And it's funny because, you know, historically speaking, we can always compare under, you know, Nebraska quarterback, to other great Nebraska quarterbacks. And the fact is, in, you know, the Osborne era, you just don't have that many opportunities to go win a game in the fourth quarter. You know, I mean, Tommy Frazier, he was clutch in many ways um, and definitely against Miami. But most of the games he quarterbacked were blowouts. He did lead us to a an attempted field goal drive against Florida state in the 93 season, 94 orange bowl, but we didn't make that field goal. So uh, Scott Frost has Missouri. He beat Missouri in overtime, but that was about it. Uh, there wasn't that many opportunities to have these. Adrian has had 17 of them or something like that. It's ridiculous. It's just hard to fathom. And so it's easy to sit here and say that Tommy Frazier was clutch in, in the final moments of games, but he just didn't have that many opportunities to do so. Maybe he would have went 15 and two in those. I don't know but he didn't have 17 opportunities to do that. I would say that to Honky's point about points in possession, if we want to win some of these games here at the end of the season, we need to not have Adrian do that. We need our defense to make a stop in the fourth quarter to get a critical turnover, to stop someone on third down or fourth down. And so it's not up to Adrian to win the game because he's really good 90% of the time. If we could just take care of him, on the back end of some of these games and not have it be him that has to win the game for us, maybe we would get a few more W's. Yeah, he had 204 second half yards. He had four touchdowns before that that game-turning fumble. Uh, his second half up to that point, he was 11 of 12 for 172 yeah. yards and he three touchdowns. Great. I mean, it, it gets lost, and to your point there, Dave, if it helps explain what, how gut-wrenching this is for Husker fans, it's because it's happening all the time. Back in the 90s, there one out of every two or three seasons, you'd have a game that would come down to the wire like that. And we would talk about it for the next 12 months because, oh, do you remember that game, right? And most teams, by the way, have something similar to that. Most sure. teams aren't doing three or four or five of these a year. And right now, it seems like we either blow a team out like Northwestern or Fordham or Buffalo, or it's coming down to the wire like this. So a lot of the focus goes on to those last three minutes those last yeah. minutes of it, the last drive. But the reality is there's a lot of drives that lead up to it, and there's a lot of minutes beforehand that uh, if you do some things, and they don't have to be big differences, but you do some small things different, 
in those first 57 minutes, you might be in a better position than going in those last three. I think we said the magic number is nine, right, Dave? Like be up by nine. Be up by nine <laughs> points. That's what I want. This week against Minnesota, I want to be up by nine. Be up by nine points with three minutes left. And I think we're going to be okay. I mean, we just, we got to get away from this one score. And a lot of that is, is really, it's just maximizing the possessions you do have and limiting the possessions that they have. Yeah. I was looking at a, a few of our games on Husker Max earlier. And like, for example, Nebraska, Oklahoma, I, I mentioned Frazier and, and, and Frost. Crouch actually had several, um, you know, kind of late game of heroics, uh, winning in overtime versus Notre Dame uh, against Colorado, I believe. And then Oklahoma, Nebraska, uh, the classic one, two, black 41 uh, reverse pass. That happened with about six minutes to go in the fourth quarter. We're up 13-10 and he scores that touchdown with like six minutes to go, which is about when Adrian scored the go-ahead touchdown on Saturday night. And look at all the stuff that happened afterwards. After the, that touchdown versus Nebraska versus Oklahoma, you knew we were going to win. It was 20 to 10, and it was <laughs> over. 10 points, and we knew it was over. But we take the lead against Michigan on Saturday, and we're like, oh, man, six minutes to go. There's so much going to happen, right? It's just crazy. It's just abnormal. It's not a normal football season on how that works. I don't get it. If you want to talk about how gut-wrenching it is too, Dave, against Colorado in 2019, we were in that situation twice. At the end of the game, it was 31-31. They threw an interception, and then it was still tied in overtime, and we missed the field goal. You know what I mean? So to your point, though, Rob, twice should have never been in that situation. We were up 17-0, and we should have slammed the door on those guys in the third quarter, and we didn't do it. I would have hated to be at that game. (laughs) (laughs) We all would have hated to be at that game. I mean, the only thing I can liken it to is – you know, when you look back at Nebraska history and, you know, the recent decades is it's like every game is a Texas game. Now it's just something yeah. bizarre happens <laughs> at the last minute, and we lose in some ridiculous fashion, even though there's no reason for it. And, a random fumble. Yeah. A random fumble, a weird extra seconds on the clock, yeah, just something. Well, yeah. And they start to blend in with each other. They do yeah. over the course of years. And we've had enough coaching changes over the last 12, 13 years that, you know, I'll be talking with somebody in the same conversation and, you know, somebody's upset about frost this or something that. And then they'll go, yeah, remember when, you know, we threw the ball at Illinois at the end of the game instead of running it out. And I'm like, that wasn't even frost. That was a Riley year. I mean, you know, but they just run into each other and it becomes this long, continuous run on sentence of just gut wrenching last minute plays that have happened against so many different teams now in so many different years under so many different coaching staffs. And they, it just has to end. But what I will say, if it helps anyone this is the best football I've seen Nebraska play collectively in a long time. And I mean, I would make the argument, even in some of those Polini years where you're winning nine games, but the four losses that you're having guaranteed every year were bad losses. A lot of times, or that nine and four season that so many people like to throw out with Riley. See, Riley's a better coach than, than uh, frost because he had a nine and four season one time. Well, wonderful. Dave and I really enjoyed that nine and four season when we were in Columbus, Ohio, watching us lose 62 to three. We got to start winning one of these games. I get it. This is a crazy schedule. It's been a really weird schedule so far, but there is something to be said about being in all these games too. I I truly, I believe it in everything in me. Joel Klatt said the same thing. I truly believe that we're going to win one of those games against either Michigan. Well, that's too late now. Wisconsin, Iowa, Ohio State. We're going to be in those games. And I absolutely think that it's, it's fixing 
one or two of these things. And that can be the thing that gets us over the, the edge. You know, this weekend, uh, as as uh, we talked about on the Beckhouse last week, I I attended the Northern Colorado Eastern Washington game, but I was dressed in all my Husker gear. Um, awesome. You know, the University of Northern Colorado, it's a few blocks up the street. We had free tickets through my work, et cetera. So we were there tailgating, having a good time. I have to tell you that there was as much Husker gear in that parking lot as there was <laughs> Northern you. Colorado and Eastern Washington. Right. And Eastern Washington travels well, by the way, I was really impressed with them. Like they took up an entire huge section of the parking lot there at Northern Colorado, which has a great tailgate scene. Um, I've been there quite a few times and they really do. They have a great tailgate scene, but I saw a ton of Husker fans and I'm walking around and to Honky's point, it was different on Saturday. I'm walking around and people are saying to me, go big red, go big red, everyone. And somebody, anybody was asking me, do you think we're going to win tonight? And I'm like, we are going to win. We are going to win this game. Absolutely going to win this game. And people are looking at me going, yes, we are. Like <laughs> it was, and it was a confidence level that I haven't seen from Husker fans in general in a, really a few years. Time. Yeah. And, and like I said, to, to Honky's point, we all see it. It's like, kind of like when you're when you're driving home after like an hour long commute and you get to like that last half a mile before you're home and you see that one landmark that you just know is almost right there that landmark is in sight i can feel it mm -hmm. i i just i'm not even as down as i thought i would be today about this game there's other stuff going on in the world right now that is way more concerning than if I'm going to worry about Nebraska football this Saturday, because I think they'll take care of business at Minnesota. Right? Cause this is a great brand of football. They have, they just, they're that close. They got to win by nine. Win by nine. We got to win by nine. They got to win by nine. Well, you know, you think about it. I'm not trying to compare this Michigan team to Ohio state two years ago. It's, it's far too early to say that, but that was the last game that we really played on a national scene. That was the, the game day weekend in, in Lincoln right. and, you know, big national television, blah, blah, blah. And, there's Herb Street and Fowler, and I almost felt bad for the guys. You know, it's halfway into the game, and they're like, oh, my God, we have another half that we have to do, and this is a blowout, and it's just – it's a tough game on primetime TV the way that we played against Ohio State two years ago. I wasn't concerned about that. Believe me, I, I was confident last week. But that my worst fear would have been that somehow we, we do that again because here we are. We're on national TV. You know, sure. big primetime. I know a lot of people are watching Alabama. I get it. But still, this was ABC – and I just thought we showed so well. I just really do. I mean, to the point where there's enough people. I, I highlighted one of our tweets the other day, and I pulled like three or four different tweets from national people about they're just sitting there saying, damn, Nebraska, you are so close. Like college football Reddit, which loves to give us crap all the time. Yeah. And they, they are sitting there saying they are four plays away from being 7-0. and oh. And I don't necessarily agree when they say that. I don't necessarily agree with them because I, I can find that one play against three of the games, but I can't find the one play against Oklahoma. There's not one play where I think – that yeah, it, yeah. I, I'll give Oklahoma the win against us. I'll say we're we're a fair six and one if you can change one play in the other three losses. But the point still remains that that is actually some respect, which is the thing that we felt like we weren't getting for so long. Maybe we didn't deserve it in some cases, whatever. Sure. But I do feel like there's some respect coming from national people where they're like, gosh, you guys are the best darn three and four team in the country. And hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we can stop saying that here uh, soon. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you win one game at a time, so you could become the best four and four, and then, yep. as Austin Allen says, the best five and four, and six and four, and so on. So that's yep. that's what the the team has to be. And 
you know, uh, Boomer, we do have Minnesota game to look forward to, and we'll get to that a little bit with the BetCast picks. But this is the um, $5 bits of broken chair trophy of – did I get that right? I always forget. Yes, you did. That was correct. Dave. Sweet. Yeah. Um, obviously, a, a big rivalry game and with our best trophy. Well, absolutely. And loyal listeners of the Redcast know this uh, rivalry goes back centuries, really. So <laughs> and it really does. In a it way, really does. They, yeah, they were our first big nemesis when we started playing football back in the in the olden days. Um, and they were they were the yardstick you'd measure yourself against, you know, West in, in Western football back in the day, which was pretty much anyone, you know, west of Michigan at the time. Minnesota was a power and our coaches would get criticized hired or fired based on how well they did against the gophers and i've always said in an alternate timeline there are oklahoma you know in that in a parallel universe somewhere that's yeah. you know that's the that's a history that there would have been but now this will be uh you know it's always a fun trophy and i'm sure we'll mention it later but you know there's the good uh the fundraiser with the the five dollar bits of broken share so uh everyone actually did a great job you know so far today uh donating to that so uh, we'll we'll plug that a little later though so this is probably a down Minnesota team. So it's a good chance for us to rebound from this. And I'm kind of resetting the season. Now you've got, uh, you know, five games left. I count three of them. You should far and away be better than three of those teams. And you'd have two shots to get in that signature win. So whole mm-hmm. season's in front of you at this point. Yeah. I mean, boy, you're, you're telling me if we could somehow finish off seven and five, I think everybody would be like, well, that's, that's a heck of a way to end the season. So I'd be ecstatic with that. And I would also just take a, a six and six, but Honky, I mean, what are you looking forward to in this game? It's an early kickoff. Um, Minnesota uh, beat up a little bit, um, but still dangerous. Um, we got to be ready to to play um, from the opening snap here and and make sure that we um, get off to a good start. Yeah, it was a physical game for us too uh, last week. And Frost even said today that they went just half pads on Monday when they normally are, you know, having a physical practice. So yeah, we played seven games and Minnesota's only played five, right? Yep. And obviously, after this game is our first of two uh, bye weeks. So, you know, it's going to be a physical football game. Uh, we have our own injury front with Prochaska. And it just, it's terrible that in his second start, he, he got injured there. Hopefully, it sounds like they'll at least try at the end of the year to get a medical redshirt with him. Not sure if that's going to be able to get it or not. But what it does is it allows for Ben Hart, who's from Minnesota, to get back onto the field. And I thought he played outstanding in the second half. I was really proud of him because he took the benching from a week before. And you can go in one or two directions from that, right? Yep. I mean, there are people that the second you get benched, your mind's uh, immediately into the transfer portal. I think some people at Northern Colorado and where, <laughs> where <laughs> Rob went probably understand that. Right. But, um, but then you also have what Adrian went through a year ago, getting benched and, and him coming back and being stronger from it. And that's what I hope to see out of Ben Hart. I don't want to see Ben Hart in the, in the transfer portal. I want to see Ben Hart being our starting right tackle next year and being an all American. That's what I want to see. And next week is a great opportunity for him to get out there now. And he's going to be playing against his home state there. And, we played really well in the second half while he was on the field. In fact, he graded the best out of any of our uh, linemen, according to PFF. And uh, he was a road grader on some of those options that we did in the second half. So that's what I want to see. And I want to see us be physical. I want to see us run option. I want to see Martinez getting outside the pocket. And I want to give Michigan some credit there because they did a pretty good job of trying to limit him from doing that. We need to be quick in a game here from coaching. You said it, I think, last week, Dave, where it's like, you don't know how many plays you're going to get in the Big Ten, so you can't just yeah. you know have 20 wasted plays, right? 
you can only take away so much. If Minnesota comes out next week and uses the Michigan defensive plan, so to speak, let's fan out. We're not going to give you that outside option. It's just not going to happen. Well, then you're giving up something vertically. Then we've got to take advantage of that and take advantage of that quickly. Because guess what? Now all of a sudden, okay, we've got to play a little bit back. By the way, they've got good receivers here. They've got big, tall guys. You know, Manning caught that first drive yeah. and, and Torre and everything. Well, we're going to play back. Okay, great. We're going to hit you back with that option now. We're going to get outside. Okay, now you're playing it horizontally. We're going to hit you up the middle. Hey, when it's a third and one, let's get Yant on the field. Teach him which way to go on the play so he doesn't run <laughs> yeah. the wrong side. But use him for what he is. He's a 235-pound back. And when we're in third and one situations, he can take that hit, and it doesn't have to be uh, Martinez going up the gut like he had yeah. to a couple of times early in that game. I don't want Martinez taking that hit. So those are just some of the very basic things I, I want to see out of this. But I absolutely believe we can move down the field on these guys, and I think we can score some, some points on these guys. And defensively, this is a chance, I think, to really get right defensively. They've been through a lot in Minnesota. I mean, they've now lost two of their running backs. Now, is Ottman Bell, is he? He has playing? been back. Yeah, he's, I don't he'll know if he's fully healthy. They've got yeah. their receivers both back. I mean, they've been just so beat up across the board. And I, and I mean, I feel I actually feel for Minnesota in that sense because they've they've experienced about as much injuries as as anybody has, especially at the skill spots. But I'm expecting us to play a good football game at 11 a.m. It's yeah. going to be weird waking up again and watching us play right away. But I expect us to play a good game and get out of there with the W. And think of what that would mean: a road victory in the Big Ten that's not against a school named Rutgers is pretty big <laughs> for us right now. That's the next step. And then you're four and four, you're back to 500 and you're looking at four last games where three of them are at home. This is a huge game. We're not good enough to look past anybody. I don't expect us to be looking past them, but uh, this is a must win game. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I think, you know, that it is a scenario where, I mean, you win this game and you set yourself up to rest up on the bye week you come back. Yeah. Purdue at home. Um, and that would put you over 500. And then you've got the, um, the Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa triumvirate there to get you to a bowl, a bowl game and, and maybe a little bit more, right? And, and build momentum mm-hmm. going forward. You know, hockey, um, we talked about this a little bit last week. It's it's been a, a bit of a buzz on on some of the local radio shows of like, would Adrian come back now? Um, mm-hmm. do you have any more developed thoughts on that after watching this game, knowing that we're not probably gonna seven and five might be the best we can get to? You know, it was a discussion that I can't remember if we actually talked about last week on the show or not. I know we talked about previous to the season, and I made my statement, you know, I'm never wrong on things. I, I said, no. I think this is Adrian's last year. That's why I said coming into the season that, you know, he's either going to have this amazing year and he goes off to the pros or whatever, or he it goes the other way and and he's gone. And you mentioned at the time, Dave, you said that, well, there's a you could see a route you could see a way that the season could go not terrible and yet still have him come back. I have no idea right now because it's not like I'm having conversations with him daily, but I would say that <laughs> I, I can see that route right now. I can see a route for him to come back, which is we get to the bowl game. We finish the season strong. He looks at what we have coming back, which is just about everybody. I mean, minus right. Tory, you have about everybody Torrey, coming back. You've got some momentum. Yeah. You know, Here's a great opportunity for him. Uh, next year to, to leave that legacy. He's uh, going for a master's degree right now. Another year that doesn't hurt for that. You're only NIL. 21 right now. Is that right? Yeah. So And yeah. a full year of NIL, the finances can take care of themselves that way too. There's a lot of reasons why you could see him coming back. And uh, I'll tell you right now, I, I take him in a heartbeat. I think it would make us a, a really dangerous team coming back next year. But what has to happen here 
with this team right now, these next five games are so important is that we need to get one of these wins, a signature yep. win. We yeah. need to win the games we're supposed to. We need to win a game on the road. We need to end some of these streaks. Iowa's beat us six straight times. I think Wisconsin's been seven. I think That's Ohio right. State's been seven. <laughs> so you think about that. Those last three games, we're talking about teams that have beat us collectively 20 straight times. You know, yeah. and that's how important every game is. Every week is keep getting better. We are playing the best football I've seen us play while we've at least done a red cast. I, I will say that. <laughs> that is a statement. That is a statement. And we started the last season of Riley, but this is <laughs> the best football. And we should start to be seeing wins out of that. We should, as, as fans, we should demand them. The players should demand wins. The, the coaches should. They've worked so hard. The, the heavy lifting is done. Yeah, they, they are bigger, faster, stronger. We're talent wise. We're right there. All those things play clean football and just win some of these games. Yeah, exactly right. And, um, you know, I mean, offensively speaking, I, I if Adrian comes back, I think that's a bonus. Uh, if he leaves uh, or goes someplace else for whatever reason, for whatever reason, I, I totally respect that. I would say that how this offense has been functioning the last few weeks um, whether that's Logan Smothers next year or if we now become more attractive from a transfer portal landing spot, I, I think we're going to find a solution um, where whatever it is, um, whether it's Adrian Logan, um, Heinrich Harburg or, or someone out there on some other team right now um, to be a competitive team next year. So uh, that's um, hopefully f- more than five games away. So Honky, uh, before we let you go, uh, you have a, a parting shot for us. Boomer started talking a little bit earlier about the $5 bits of broken chair trophy. And I just wanted to give a shout out to, to Vegas Jair. Not only did I get to hang out with Vegas Jair uh, before the uh, Michigan game for a while, and it was a lot of fun seeing him and his daughter was with him. And, and we were there when they did the walk, uh, you know, a couple hours before the, the game. And by the way, that is so cool. I haven't done that in, in a while. And, you know, we had just a couple thousand fans on the east side of the stadium hours before the game, just waiting for the team to come through there. It was, it was so cool. But uh, Vegas Jer today, he uh, did a donation of over $1,000 if we got over 8000 for Team Jack. And uh, they got over the 8000 so he donated that. And right now we're sitting somewhere over 10000 was the last time I checked. So that's awesome. I mean, they're both great charities anyways, the one in Minnesota and and what we're doing here in Nebraska, it's just such a cool trophy. Just everything around it is so cool. It, so, uh, but anyways, I wanted to give a shout out to Vegas Chair there. Two other things. I retweeted. Uh, there's this really cool, it's like message board warriors or something on Twitter. And it's hilarious. They just go around the country and find message board people going nuts. And it's just always good to see other schools. Uh, you know, it's not just us, other schools that have this. And Dave, you could imagine in Alabama, there are people right now not too happy with Nick Saban. And the coaching staff is old and worn out, right? <laughs> uh, it, he should have been fired years ago, according to some years of the uh, Bama ago. fans. So, Maybe we can uh, bring Saban on as an analyst. <laughs> yeah. Start, start bringing them to Nebraska to be our analyst. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, last but not least, we don't talk a lot about volleyball, but uh, they are starting to, to really hit a stride. And in fact, on Friday night, they won a 3-1 at Penn State. Great match on on a BTN. And there was one 
Husker fan standing in the middle of a whiteout there. I saw that. That was great. And we took the photo of it and like posted it and, and it started kind of going viral, but BTN posted the art. I saw the and, logo was on BTN. That's yeah, pretty good. Huh? They, they even said the go big red cast and, and everything. And uh, nice. give it, give it a lot of credit to that guy. And then like Nebraska volleyball was tweeting about that guy and everything. So, uh, you know, I think, you know, was it influencing, I guess, are we influencers? I think you're an influencer or we're an influencer, I guess. I... Something. I don't know. That's awesome. All right. Great stuff. Later, fellas. Welcome to the Go Big Betcast with Dave, Boomer, and Rob. All right. Now we are on to the Betcast, and we'll start with our Big Ten games, which uh, there's only five on the on the docket this week, guys. And then we'll do our best bets. Um, and, uh, you know, Nebraska is an early game this week, but we'll save them for the for the last. Uh, so let's start with the other early games. And we've got uh, Michigan State. Uh, playing Indiana, Michigan State Boomer took care of business versus Rutgers. I believe you called that last week. Um, and uh, they're, they're in Bloomington to take on the Hoosiers, who are two and three on the year, only one and four against the spread. And it looks like a four and a half point favorite for Sparty over under at 51 and a half. Um, Boomer, are you thinking Sparty can do it again? Oh, I think so. I, I'm surprised again that spread was as low as it was. Indiana's just not what they were last year. Michigan State's playing solid ball, you know, rolling. Uh, no reason that shouldn't be another, you know, touchdown win easily for the Spartans here. So the only thing I'm apprehensive on this one, Boomer, is that I, I don't know if the line stinks, but it might be a le- little bit smelly, just in the sense of like, I mean, I guess there's that much respect for Indiana for last year's performance, because they do not look like they are only four and a half points uh, worse than, than Michigan state. Michigan state's ranked 10th in the country and is only favored by four and a half points. Yeah. I mean, like explain that one to me. Right. I mean, I guess you could say the same thing last week with, with, with Michigan and Nebraska, but you can point to Nebraska's on field performance and say, Hey, they looked competitive versus Oklahoma and Michigan state. I think they can be competitive versus uh, uh, the Wolverines, whereas Indiana has has not looked that good, and, and Michael Penix Jr. has struggled. So, yeah, I don't. Maybe they're giving a lot of credence to the bye week. I don't know, but uh, good point. Yeah, I'd be again the the games you've seen Indiana play against, you know, upper level competition. Penn State, they got shut out. They lost to Cincinnati by what fourteen, something like that, pretty handily. Mm-hmm. Snug by Western Kentucky. I, I just don't think they're going to – I don't think they have the defense to hold up, you know, to a sustained game, and I don't know how many points they're going to be able to turn out in this. So, no, I'd, I'd go with Sparty again on this one. Yeah. Rob? Yeah, I'm I'm taking Sparty 100% on this one. Um, I They're going to probably end up with somewhere close to 250, 300 yards of rushing probably in this game alone is my uh, guess. Kenneth Walker gonna, by himself maybe. Yeah, that's – and I was about to say Kenneth Walker by himself. Um, I, I'm just as confused as you by this line because, um, I mean, I, I don't get it again. I don't know how Indiana is still getting respect from last year. If that's what it is. Um, I mean, yeah, they're the home team, but it, it makes no sense to me when I saw this, I had to make sure I was picking the right week to look at lines because I honestly was just like, is am I on the right one? I thought maybe it was week one or week two at first. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is odd. Right. Because you, you do have an Indiana team. 
Yeah, it was and, preseason and I, number seventeen in the country. And I watched Indiana a couple times because, as you know, I'm on that I'm on that Cincinnati train right now. And and Indiana played Cincinnati, and, and I just wasn't impressed. Well, I mean, Cincinnati struggled. It was their their the one game this year where they really really struggled against Indiana, and they still handled them just yeah. fine. So, yeah. um, I I don't get it. I I I, I don't get it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I, I think I'm on, I think this is lock unity. I will take Sparty as well on the four and a half. And even more so too, Indiana is only one in four against the spread. So yeah, exactly. They're not even performing well on that. Yeah. All right. Um, moving on another uh, early game here. Rutgers uh, goes to Evanston to pl- play uh, the fighting Fitzgerald's Northwestern. Uh, is a two-point home dog. Rutgers is favored going to Chicago. Um, this this is not a pretty game. I, I don't know why anybody would want to watch this game. But just from what I've seen, uh, I, I think Rutgers is the better team, um, maybe by a long shot. Rob, what do you think here? I'm going to take Rutgers. I actually like Rutgers the way they're playing this Two year. Two points. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm taking Rutgers for sure. I mean, all they got to do is win by a field goal, right? Yeah. Um, you know, they're four and two against the spread. Northwestern, again, is one and four against the spread. Um, but Rutgers is a better team. I mean, that's they just are. I, they, they play harder. Um, I think they're going to use this as an opportunity to get themselves over 500. They're three and three right now. Um, you know, and they're, and they're going to come in and, and they're going to play hard. Cause again, they, they are playing hard for Shiano. I say this every single week, I think on the betcast when we talk about our big 10 picks um, yep. and I see them, I see them covering this. Um, if I'm, if, if for some reason they only win by one or, or it's a push, I apologize to all the betcasters out there, but this <laughs> is a game, but this is a game where, um, I would not be afraid to put down some money on this. A couple. Well, if you're worried about that, you can always do the do the money line, I guess. Boomer, you'd have to think <laughs> that. Uh, I mean, Noah Vedral will look at the Nebraska tape and and see what Adrian did versus uh, Northwestern and try to do a few of those things, right? Oh, I would think so. Yeah, Northwestern's defense just. I don't think he's going to be able to hold up. A, you know, to any sustained Big Ten game for the rest of the season. So. Yeah, I really don't. Yeah, you can it's, say they're not good, Boomer. That's yeah, they're, they're not good. Yeah, this is Fitzgerald's probably just worst team in a whole long while. Just he just doesn't have players this year. And and Rob was right. Rutgers is playing hard. You know they're not great, but you know it's Rutgers. They're trying. They're you know last three games they scored thirteen points, but that was against you know Michigan, Ohio State, and Michigan State. Thirteen points every game. They'll they'll do better than thirteen against Northwestern. So I think twenty wins them the game. Yeah, I think so too. And and if you want to attend in person, tickets are going for as low as five bucks right now. So you if know you're in Evanston, you can get in cheap. So I, I would also think the under would would be in player at forty seven and a half. Yeah, I think everyone will just want to get out of this game as quickly as possible. So yeah, they'll they'll try Unless to keep Northwestern. It quick. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if Northwestern gives up, kind of like they did against Nebraska, then maybe maybe Rutgers post a big number, but you, you, that could be an in play. Yeah, and this is kind of a big stretch for Rutgers if they want to make a bowl. They're three and three, and they get Northwestern, and then they go to Illinois the, and um, the thirtieth. So there's two games get you close, and then you get Maryland and Indiana try to get to a bowl or Wisconsin yeah. even. So, yeah, yeah, they're they're definitely motivated still, yep. right? Or Northwestern, like we're not going anywhere. We're done. Uh, Rutgers definitely sees a path to bowl game. So that's definitely where they're trying to go as a program. I just heard that schedule. I was thinking, God, I wish Nebraska could have that schedule. And I thought, Oh wait, we did play Illinois. <laughs> man, <laughs> if we could man. play him again. That hurts. Yeah. We uh, can play him again. So frustrating. Uh, all right. 
so let's uh, let's move on to the afternoon games here. And uh, Iowa, who is a resilient bunch and can find a way to win, um, even if it takes knocking out the opposing quarterback, uh, now number two in the country. This is the highest Iowa has been since 1986, I presume, um, when they when they were all the way up there, um, as well with Chuck Long. Uh, Purdue comes to town to Iowa City, and the number two team in the country facing Purdue, only 11 and a half point favorites, over under at 43 and a half. Uh, yeah. Boomer, I, where do you start with this one? Well, another weird quirk. The last three games Purdue has played, they've only managed to score 13 points against each one of their Power Five opponents. Really? And yeah, it's weird. And Notre Dame, Illinois, and Minnesota. Granted, they were able to beat Illinois with 13 points, but uh, 13 points not going to do it against Iowa. Uh, you know, the Hawkeyes are just somehow generating turnovers like mad. Even when their offense is struggling, they're finding ways to to win games, and that's what good teams do. Yep. So, I mean, Iowa, they may have a letdown at some point, but it's I don't think it's going to be against Purdue, and I don't think it's going to be any time on their schedule until maybe the end of the year. So, I think, yeah, I, it's a lot of points, but I think Iowa could probably do that. For Iowa, 11.5 is a lot of points. It yeah. is, is context, but I think it's, it's definitely doable. Um, I mean, I'm not going to bet on it, but, uh, yeah, it's – doable you know yeah i imagine i was only they're five and one versus the spread i suppose the only time they've lost was colorado state i'm guessing is that right oh i would think so yeah 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 rob um you think uh purdue can can mount an upset bid here is this uh hawkeyes by a million no um (laughs) hawkeyes by a million i i are they capable of scoring that many points? It's, I, it's I have a, to be it's honest a with Hawkeye you. saying. I don't quite understand as it. As much as much as they I, like saying it. As much as I dislike Iowa, <laughs> um, I figure it out too. It's because they have the same color as the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mm. think that's in my mm. head. That is just like ah, burns me. Um, I was thinking about watching this game, but then I decided to schedule a couple root canals instead. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Iowa is so boring to watch. Like, seriously, and I'm not saying this just because of my hatred for the team. They are seriously the most boring number two you don't team like- country that I have ever seen in my entire life. It is literally like pulling teeth to watch this team because their offense is the most boring offense I've, I've seen on a college football field in forever. You only um, need to watch the defensive possessions because that's where the, the, the action that is. At. I mean, they are they are seriously one mediocre or like halfway decent defensive game against a team with a halfway decent offense away from losing. So I mean, <laughs> that's that's Iowa every year, exactly. But this, and this defense, but this defense even more so, I think, because yeah. their offense wouldn't be able if they got into any kind of like a, a you know deficit of like you know, two or three touchdowns, there's no way. Oh, no, they're not coming back from that at all. And so they are in luck. Purdue can somehow score early and score often then maybe. But like Boomer said, I don't think they put up more than 13 points against a power five team in six, like what, a year. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so Rob, I guess the question is 11 and a half. Are you taking the Hawks? Yes. All right, so Boomer, you're taking the Hawks. Ron's they're, taking they're, the Hawks. Their defense, their defense will beat them with 14 points alone. So, yeah, yeah. Anybody excited on the over/under at 43 and a half? 
I take the under. That's a, that's a that's a that's a good number right there. I'm probably just going to avoid that, but yeah. I, I think I would take uh, the Hawks at 11 and a half. 24-10, Iowa. Oh, an over under I do like though potentially is the night game here. Army comes to Madison and plays Wisconsin. Wisconsin beats Illinois last week, 24 to nothing. Um, Army is is a slugfest. Uh, Wisconsin's favored by 13, which is, is kind of high in my opinion, uh, just because of how many possessions will actually take place in this game, considering the running offense and defense, it's going to be on the field over under is at 40 and a half, which I know is super low, but I, I can see this being a, a, a sheesh, I don't well, know, I, 14 I to, to 10 honest. type game. I have to be honest here, Dave. I think I made a joke about three weeks ago saying that like, if Army and Wisconsin played each other, the game would be over in about an hour because of how much both those teams run the ball, right? Yep, here you um, go. I did not realize they were actually playing each other. I should have looked at the schedule. But I mean, I probably did at some point when we were doing one of our like preview shows or something, but this game seriously might be the fastest game. It starts at, uh, well, 6 o'clock my time here, Mountain Time, uh, your time as well. Um, this, game might be, this game might be over by like 8 30 9 o'clock um it's gonna be unless halftime you know unless they like do an extended halftime because um these guys are probably i, I would say the i would take the over under on the amount of runs in the game maybe like between two <laughs> behind um you know that might be the best bet on this one um wisconsin just hasn't been that good on offense army who knows what could happen with them, right? I mean, they are four and one, so they have some confidence probably coming in there. But um, yeah, no, Army's a good team, and I think yeah. um, you know they they took Oklahoma late. Uh, remember that Boomer a few years ago, where they almost should have won that game in Norman. So they they're not going to be um, you know startled by the uh, the crowd in Madison. I'm, I'm no, and what's our rule with the service academies, Dave? Always take oh, the under. Always take the under. Always no matter take what. the under. That's right. No matter what. Even when we lose, we still win most of the time with that. Just like your Alabama first half. I lost um, my first Alabama you first lost half your first of the half year spread last last week. But that's okay because you're winning. On the I'm going to come back with it. Don't worry. That's right. That's right. So, Boomer, I mean, what, what do you think here? Uh, 13 or the 40 and a half? Which one would you rather take? Uh, I'd probably take the under on that one if I was going to bet this. I, I'm just kind of hoping, you know, Rob may schedule a few cleanses to go after his root canal just so he doesn't have to watch this game either. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, this is this will be brutal football. I, I'm not even sure if the, you know, the Badger students will make it into the stadium in time before it's over, you know, kind of the way Rob was saying, the way it, yeah. it's clocked. I don't think they tick, will. So, and maybe it's just as well they don't. So, but uh, yeah, I, I'll I'll watch this game maybe as a novelty, but that's going to be about it. I don't have much interest in it and wouldn't want to bet it too much. So, yeah, yeah, I I really do like the under on this game, and um, in our our best bets, I I may be mentioning this again. All right, well, that brings us to the um, Nebraska Minnesota game, uh, bright and early, uh, ten a.m. Mountain Time, eleven o'clock Central. Uh, Nebraska up there in Minneapolis. Uh, Boomer, do you have any idea what the weather is in the Twin Cities uh, on Saturday morning? I'll find out here noon. pretty shortly anyway. So. Uh, Nebraska is uh, favored at t- three and a half now. I believe this opened up around two and a half and has climbed a little bit. Uh, over under at 48, which I think could be an attractive number. I could I could see somehow us getting over that. Um, 
And, you know, Nebraska three and four in the year, but five and two against the spread. And boy, depending on when you got the Michigan game, you might have actually might be six and one if you're running with them. And uh, Minnesota three and two overall, two, two and one against the spread. So, uh, Rob, um, what do you think here? I would say take Nebraska money line, take them on the spread, take them on the over. Um, you know, it's going to be nice weather in Minnesota this weekend. It's going to be right around 60 degrees there at kickoff time. Um, you know, this isn't going to be like your typical Minnesota game that Boomer goes to where um, he's frozen to his seat, like wrapped in like 10 different layers of clothes there. Um, if Minnesota fan base barely turns out for that team when they're winning, I'd, I'd hate to see what their home crowd looks like when, when they're as bad as they are right now. They're very injured. They just lost another running back today. Um, you know, and this could be a trap game. Don't get me wrong. This could be a trap game, but I also think based off of the way that Nebraska has been playing against these top 10 opponents and coming out and they don't look discouraged whatsoever. They don't look like they're down as a team. Um, the energy still feels really good. I think they come out and, and they do what they did to Northwestern against Minnesota this weekend. All right. All right. That's a strong statement. You know, Boomer, both of us have been up uh, to uh, Minneapolis to attend a game there. It is a, a brand new stadium um, that has uh, some nice amenities and plenty of grain belt available, but uh, <laughs> I could, I could see, although it sounds like nice weather, um, a, a, a quiet crowd, um, at least a start. It's just a matter of can Nebraska keep the Minnesota fan base kind of out of this and, um, you know, kind of take over from, from the get go. Yeah. And I think that's one of the easy keys to the game. I mean, Minnesota's defense has been good this year, but mm -hmm. their offense just hasn't been very productive. Uh, we'd alluded to all the injuries they've had, especially at running back. It's just been hard for them to get any great rhythm going. Um, I, they'll be more competitive than Northwestern, but and their special teams have been good. Um, they've been winning field position battles. there, keeping them in games. This is the kind of game Nebraska should win pretty handily. I'm surprised the spread was as kind of as low as it was. I, I thought it opened closer to six, somewhere around there myself. But uh, part of that's being on the road, I think. Yeah, I guess so. And just past history, I, I suppose. But yep. I, I don't think, you know, Minnesota will probably defense will play tough for a little while. I don't think their offense is going to be able to move the ball with any consistency or regularity. I don't think they'll be able to score enough points to keep them in this for the long run. And I don't think their defense is going to be able to hold up the entire game. So unless Nebraska goes up there and just pulls an Illinois or something last year and just falls apart on their own, they should win this pretty handily. So I would, this would be one of the few times I would take Nebraska, you know, you can go three and a half or whatever. Yeah. Go ahead and bet the Huskers here. So yeah. Minnesota I, currently has the 174th ranked defense in 174. There's only 130. Well, it says, or 100. I'm sorry. What am I looking at here? The, uh, it just says right here, overall, 174th. I'm looking so at it must be FBS and FCS. FBS yeah. and FCS combined. Yeah, all college football. Are you looking at defense or offense there? Because they're oh, I'm sorry, their offense. Yeah, their offense is terrible. Their yeah. offense is terrible. Defense yes, is good, right. but their offense is not. So I'm sorry, yeah. I'm looking at like the comparison between that. Okay, sorry. And um their defense is actually not terrible. They are 54th overall. Yeah, they they're, they're only allowing like 77 rushing yards a game. So I mean they're they're stout on defense, but 
their offense well, just has nothing. So, and on the other hand, though, Nebraska has the 24th ranked offense, and and so you know, and the 89th ranked defense. So there you which go. Which is crazy to me. That's nuts. Yeah, which they're better than that. Best right, 89th guys. ranked defense in the country. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the only and the best 89th ranked defense in the country. Well said, Rob. Uh, all right, guys. All right, I'm really guys. bad at reading graphs, so when I was looking at that, I confused myself. You know, that's why we it. let the stats go to I got Boomer, a, Rob. I got, a, I got a tutor. I got a tutor for this thing. Sorry. All right, all right. Let's uh, let's head to our best bets, and um, uh, I'll go with Boomer first. What do you got for me, man? Well, let's see. Outside of uh, Nebraska versus Minnesota and Michigan State, uh, those were you know two of the ones. The other mm-hmm. one I'm looking at is uh, Syracuse and Clemson. Uh, for some reason, Clemson is a 14 and a half point favorite in this, and I'm not really sure why. I'm, I'm not sure Clemson scores 14 and a half points a game this year. And yep. Syracuse has always played them particularly close. I, I don't know. Yeah. If, I don't see Syracuse winning this, but I think they can keep that under 14 and a half. So I'd say take Syracuse and take that plus 14 and a half. All right. I like it. Rob, what do you got? Well, I'm taking a late night Friday game. Um, Oregon is a 13 and a half point favorite over Cal in Oregon. Um, Cal is not a good team. Um, so I'm going to take Oregon on that on the points alone um i think my key number there you're under two touchdowns i get it yeah you're you're under two touchdowns there um you know and if you want to parlay that with something like you know san diego state and um you know like you said i i think syracuse with the points maybe you know i don't know outright to win but like boomer said maybe throw that in a parlay that might be a fun little bet um the other game too that I'm looking at for the weekend, it's an early game. So they'll be playing when, when Nebraska is playing on Saturday morning, but I'm going to continue to ride my woo woo Cincinnati train. Um, you know, they're number three in the country right now. Like I said, out coming off their win after of Notre Dame, they just destroyed their opponent last week. And now they're playing uh, UCF, which is not Scott Frost's UCF. So they just aren't the same team. They're favored by, they're favored by 21. Um, and I think they cover that. I think they, they win by more than three scores. All right. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm liking these bets guys. Um, we're going to, uh, have a great week. Um, big 10 wise, uh, I mentioned, I really do like Rutgers minus two versus Northwestern. I think that's solid. And the under in the army Wisconsin game, uh, other games that I have been eyeing, would include uh, going to one of Rob's favorites and betting against Kansas. Uh, Texas Tech uh, got beat by TCU. I was surprised at how bad that was. But uh, Kansas is uh, at home uh, giving, uh, or Texas Tech's having 16 and a half points uh, given to to Kansas. So uh, Texas Tech only uh, favored by 17. Kansas is giving up like 50 points a game to everybody that is not an, an FCS school. Um, so Texas Tech is going to score 50. So do I really think Kansas is going to score 35? No, I don't. Um, so I think that's a potential uh, moneymaker for you out there. Um, uh, Alabama, Mississippi State. I, I lost my first Alabama bet of the year last week, and they lost their first game. Do you think Nick Saban's going to have that defense fired up to take on Mike Leach? Um, and, uh, the Bulldogs, absolutely. So Alabama at 17, I feel like that's a, that's a good number. And then, uh, the other one I was looking at, no, I think that's going to be it. I'm just going to call it right there. Um, those would be my, my best bets. I think, 
Uh, there's a few others out there that are just ugly games that are interesting to me. Arizona, Colorado is an ugly game. Um, and there's a few others like that. Uh, but um, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that. All right, guys, good stuff. Uh, hopefully we can uh, put out some of our best bets. We'll get uh, producer Skip's uh, pick in for our tweet on Friday. And uh, for now, let's call that a Go Big Redcast. Go Big Red. Huda Media Production.